Welcome to another edition of the Fight Talk Podcast. We got a lot to talk about today. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of fights over the weekend. We got some boxing talk, definitely UFC talk. It's your boy John Mosley, as always, uh, here with the man himself, Stephen Jensen. Um, A a busy weekend, man. A a real busy weekend with all the uh, the wrestling, the fighting, everything. Yeah, it was good. Um, we had, of course, the you know the boxing match that we'll be talking about with you know Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, along with Nate Robinson and Jake Paul. Definitely got a lot of opinions on all that stuff. We've got um, the Anthony Smith and Devin Clark. We've got the upcoming show with Hermanson, and it's Vittori now, so some yep. changes there. So we got a lot of stuff there. We had some good pro wrestling this weekend. I know you did your thing at Resolute. And, uh, yeah, man, just good stuff all around. And uh, the Vikings got a win yesterday. They won by one point, held on at the very end to get that W. And shout out to Chad Beebe, who muffed a punt that almost mm-hmm. cost us the game and was literally crying on the bench on the sidelines and then went in there, brushed the dirt off his shoulders, caught the game-winning touchdown, so totally redeemed himself. So Skull Vikings. So good weekend. But how about you, man? How was your weekend? Good. Uh, very, very lax. Only one show Friday. Uh, I got to watch the Titans throw a beaten on the Colts yesterday. Um, yeah, I was I was on Twitter and I noticed that the BB, everyone was getting after him. So I flip over and I literally flip over just as he's catching that touchdown. And I was like, my, how the tables have turned. Yeah, literally crying on the bench. Like, like I, it was at a point. So there's this guy, uh, shout out to the Purple FTW podcast. This dude Andy does this Vikings podcast. And he he's someone I always listen to, like, right after the games. Because he basically, like, live streams himself the last, like, couple minutes of each game. And then he does a post, um, like, a post-game show on YouTube and stuff. Right. So... He's the guy, he's like my go-to guy because he talks exclusively Vikings. We have a lot of, we share a lot of the same opinions and he knows way more about like the team than I do, which, you know, I consider myself to be a pretty hardcore fan and there's stuff that he's constantly rattling off where I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even know that. So he's my go-to and I was listening to the last, (laughs) it's him watching the game from the last like five minutes or so live and he goes on like this, this rant about how we need to get rid of Chad Beebe, never let him back on the field, um, how um, just every, like, why are we trying to make this guy a thing still? Like, his dad was a good player. He's in the league. Like, all this Like, this guy's literally crying on the sidelines. And, and then a couple minutes later, it's like, hell yeah, Beebe. That's what <laughs> we're talking about. Take back everything we've ever said about you. Um, and that's how I know that Mike Zimmer, the head coach has got to feel about it too, because he looked like he was ready to kill some, kill some people on the sidelines yesterday. There were some really key mistakes that the Vikings made and BB literally had his eyes closed on that muff pump. When they showed the replay, his eyes were completely closed when that ball hit him in the chest. Like it was anyways, totally redeemed himself. Shout out to BB. You did it. Um, the Vikings. So that's the thing with the season, man. This is the last thing I'll say about the Vikings. And you know firsthand what this happened in the Titans game too against Minnesota this season. Every game the Vikings have had pretty much come to like the last play of the game. 
or like the last drive of the game. It's all coming down to these like a couple things go the Vikings way and they're looking like a legitimate like Super Bowl contending team if like uh, these games go one, two, three points the other direction. It's like it's been so close. So to finally get a win like that felt really, really good. Like we finally held on. It was on their field goal kicker to miss. Like he missed a 54 yarder to give us the win. Otherwise they would have won with a literal last second field goal. So um, it was just good to see the Vikings finally, finally one go their way, you know? So that was really nice. Well, I hope you get another one next week because I believe they're playing the Jaguars and I, I fucking hate the Jaguars as a Titan fan. So, uh, Skull that ass on Saturday or uh, next Sunday, bro. Do they? I should, well, I thought they played uh, Tampa Bay. Don't they play Tampa Bay, Minnesota? Let me see. Let me just double check who the Vikings have this weekend. Oh, sorry, you're right. They have the. Uh, that's right. They have the Jaguars this weekend, and they have Tampa Bay next week. I got those uh, those dates messed up. So yes, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully, I mean, you, you you never know, but. The Vikings should blow out the Jaguars. This hopefully will be a game where they just have a good game and it doesn't come down to the last fucking play. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I hope we do that for you, Mose. I hope we smoke the Jaguars and you know put the beating on Tony Khan's. You know, Tony Khan's Jaguars. Love yeah. AEW, but we got to take the Jags down. <laughs> but yeah, uh, wins all around this past weekend. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick things off with the boxing talk. We we've been dancing around. We know we've been Roy Jones j- dancing around, if you will. Um, I'm sure a lot of y'all watched it. Me and me and Jensen watched it. Um, let's start with that uh, the 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 co-main, I guess, right? With uh, Nate Robinson, Jake Paul. Um, we saw a man die, uh, and then Jake Paul calls out Conor McGregor. And Dylan Dennis, uh, a lot, a lot to unpack out of that fight alone, bro. Yeah. Um, I mean, so the reason this fight was intriguing at all to me was Jake Paul. I believe he had one amateur fight against a YouTuber, I think against KSI's brother. That was an exhibition. And then he had a pro fight. I can't remember who it was against, but it was on that, that Logan Paul KSI two show. Um, Jake, you know, got his first pro win against the guy who was like very low level. And, but the point being into it, I was like, all right, people can have their opinions of Jake Paul or, and Logan Paul for that matter. Um, for that matter. Um, I've actually met Logan before. And I, I know that, I know that like, I've seen the suicide forest videos. I've seen uh, the way that they market towards little kids with like inappropriate content. And it's all about selling merchandise and they, and they they mock people and they're racist in a lot of their videos. I, I I totally I totally get the hate for these guys. I totally get it. But I will say, I, I did meet Jay or sorry, I met Logan Paul um, earlier this year. Actually, talked to him for just a couple minutes. It wasn't very long, but he happened to be in like a circle where around where I was when I was at the UFC show, and I was kind of talking to him. I was talking to him about the the fights that he had with KSI and. He was cool as hell. Like, I, like honestly, I was like, I was really surprised at like how cool he was to me when we were talking. I was like, okay, this guy seems like a totally normal dude. And then, but then you can tell like when the camera's on him, it's like the character switches. You know what right. I mean? It's like uh, I see 
I think he, I honestly think the Paul brothers are genuinely good dudes at heart that are super fucking caught up in like the internet clout and the, the followers and that whole internet persona. Cause that's how they make their money. But that all being said, um, I totally understand the hate for those guys. I just want to throw that out there. But going into the fight, I expected Jake Paul to, to destroy Nate Robinson because I knew right. Jake had experience. And I know those guys have boxing rings in their backyards and like they have really damn good trainers. And and what was intriguing about it was Nate Robinson being, you know, a 10-year NBA veteran, being a guy who has won the slam dunk contest and all this stuff. He's a real high-level professional athlete. Like people can say what they want about Jake Paul as a boxer, but obviously Nate Rob- Robinson, um, throughout his his life at least, a much much higher level athlete, being an NBA player at a high level, and that was the only thing that was interesting to me was like, well, can a guy who's a YouTuber who's been just kind of boxing for the last couple of years, can he beat a super high level athlete with less training, and? Jake went in there and just clowned him like he I think he landed eight punches and knocked him down three times. I mean, just Nate looked like he didn't want to be in there, too. Like he was running like head first and just kind of trying to grapple and and get the ref to break it up and and all. So Nate looked really, really, really bad in there. So I need to throw that out there, too. But Jake looked great. Like I I get that it was against the doing but he still put a beat down on a nba level athlete which i mean that's definitely still worth something and the memes that are coming out of it like i kind of feel i kind of feel bad for nate robinson uh seeing some of this stuff but you know it just kind of goes to show you you know it's just one of those things like Obviously, there's a lot of badasses in the NBA. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think anyone's trying to pick a fight with like LeBron James ever. You know, like that guy's probably just based on athleticism alone will will beat up most human beings. But there's kind of like this stigma to NBA players that they're like that they're tough and that they can all fight and like if it came down to it and kind of like that mentality with a lot of players. And I think it's interesting because a lot of them I think have seen this. And some are probably just, like, completely embarrassed. Some of them are probably like, okay, uh, we need to, like, restore our reputations now. And that's kind of my point being, I could totally see, like, another NBA player or high-level athlete trying to fight Jake Paul next. or You know what I mean? Something like that, where they're like, okay, Nate Robinson was one thing, but, like, what's... We all NBA players aren't bitches. You know what I mean? I'm not calling. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not calling Nate Robinson a bitch, by the way. But the, the, the you know what I mean. The point the being, like, there. right? Like that's how I think it's being looked at. Is I think the internet is basically saying Nate Robinson's a bitch for getting knocked out by Jake Paul. But I'm kind of saying like, I mean, that's kind of exactly what you would expect to happen, though, with a guy who's been training for years and has boxing experience versus a guy who doesn't. You know, like that's. It just wasn't it wasn't a surprising result to me at all. It was actually more surprising to me that Nate Robinson got up twice from those first two knockdowns because uh, he looked completely out of it after the first time he got knocked down. So I felt like it was just a matter of time before he got flatlined like that. No, I, I totally agree. Looking, I mean, it, it's what you said going in. Um, low expectations for that one outside of outside of a, a brutal knockout, which we've got. We know the memes are everywhere, like you said. Uh 
I, I know that, I mean, it felt like a minute after that fight was over, there was a million people tweeting that, you know, give us run our test or Meta World Peace, whatever, you know, against fucking Jake Paul and plenty of um, plenty of gifts or videos from the uh, the malice at the palace all those years ago. So it, it really kind of goes to the point of um, maybe there is, a, you know, another NBA player or someone else that I want to get in there and scrap with him. But uh, it seems like, you, 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 you know, he. He took it serious. The Paul kid did, man. He looked like a fucking boxer. Like the body, he's got the body for it. He's, you know, I, I want to. I, I I can't believe I'm saying it, but I would totally be interested to see him fight someone with a little uh, that knew a little more what he's doing in there. Yeah, I'm all for it. To be honest, like he looked. He def. The thing. The thing that I think people are underrating with Jake Paul is like he's been taking the boxing thing really seriously for a, a few years now. It isn't like he's just like kind of training. Like he's training like a full-time professional boxer would train. He's just making, you know, his YouTube videos on the side. But the fortunately for him, what he does on the side generates even more money than what he does in boxing. Like year after year over year, like this YouTube channel, he has like 20 something million subscribers. Like he's making a ton of, a ton of money on Google ad revenue. So like, and sponsorships and all that other stuff that he does. So like he has here's and here's what's I, I get both sides of this, but this is what I think people need to respect about the the Paul brothers. And I don't once again, personal stuff aside, I get I get the mistakes and I get I, I understand all of it. I followed their careers more closely than I'd like to admit, to be completely honest. Um and it's one of these things where like I, I totally get it. But these guys don't need to be boxing. That's what I think people don't really fully get is like they they are so rich. <laughs> like they have <laughs> so much money. Obviously they're getting paid a lot to box too. And part of it also is they have younger audiences. So these kids are getting older and they're probably less interested in the antics of the Paul brothers now, so they probably need to shift careers anyways. But even if they never worked again in their lives, they have enough money, I'm sure, to last, you know, multiple lifetimes and never work again. Like they, they do not need the money. So the fact that they're getting in their boxing when they could probably make similar money just being like Instagram influencers and and, uh, you know what I mean, doing stuff that doesn't involve getting punched in the face. For real. And they're, and, you know, so you got to and, and they're both state championship like tournament i don't know if they won the state titles but i know that they were like in the state tournaments in wrestling in high school and i think one of that i think maybe logan i don't think either went to college or maybe they did for a very short time but i think that there was like college wrestling potential there too so like these guys are are athletic guys let me put it this way jake paul would beat the shit out of cm punk <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, just, yeah. being, just being real, like the way that that guy moves and throws punches is complete. CM Punk had like four years of MMA training by the time he fought Michael Jackson and got completely clowned. Like Jake Paul right now, would he'd knock out CM Punk, it'd be faster than the, than the Nate Robinson fight. Like, and, and that just goes to show like this guy, he is an athletic guy who throws heavy punches Part of what was so impressive about the fight, too, that no one's talking about is there was times and I was watching the fight with my brother who you know trains, in, you know, trains people in boxing. So he has 
a, a pretty cool perspective when I watched this stuff. And he kept saying like how impressed he was with how when Jake would miss, because he would throw like hooks with serious intent and stayed completely on balance. Like most people would swing those hooks and be like falling over or stumbling, like leaving, you know, openings for their opponent to, to sneak stuff in. But Jake, when he missed, he was just right there, like totally on balance, like nothing happened, didn't give up any kind of position. He was always covering his face. Like, it, technically speaking, and now once again, we're talking about him versus a guy who isn't a boxer. But True. But uh, honestly, dude, I, I know this sounds crazy, but like, and, and I, I, I'll throw this out there before anyone gets any crazy ideas about what I'm, where I'm going with this. Conor McGregor knocks out Jake Paul in one punch. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like, Conor McGregor com- completely embarrasses Jake Paul if they fight. That fight will never happen. No one should ever sanction that fight. But, dude, if you went in there and it was, like, strictly boxing against someone like Dylan Danis or Ben Askren, like, it's that's interesting to me. You know, if it's strictly striking. Like, yeah. I think I think, I think think he has the potential to beat, like, UFC-level guys if there's no grappling, kicking, knees, and all that stuff involved. I saw the graphic of, of him and, and Ben, and I thought, you know, the, the idea there, I get it, but it would be interesting to see with a more technical wrestler like that what, what does happen, because that kid fucking throws hands. I mean, uh and without a doubt, money to be made. Um, I, I I love the idea with all the shit talk of, of Danis getting in there, but uh, but again, we we strictly boxing because you you know you you get in there in uh, in the cage and other you know we're using other forms of violence. Um, he he probably gets eaten up quicker, especially if we're talking like again. I know you're just everyone's gonna call out Conor McGregor. Like there's motherfuckers probably playing basketball right now. They're like, I'll fight that month. I just for the check alone. Right. Um, so let's not get that crazy. But you bring a good point up of like, if we can kind of stick within these bounds of of a couple of things, like there's some interesting stuff to be done with this kid. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like I think that, like I don't think Nate Robinson's like an isolated thing. By the way, like I I think that most. I can't say most because like I'm sure there's people that can listen to this like list out you know percentage wise. Um, where I'd be wrong here, but like, I think Jake Paul does that to a lot of NBA players, a lot of MLB players, um, pro football, a little different, a lot more physical. Um, those guys, you know, I kind of see, you know, most of them, I don't know how that would look. Cause you also look at, you know, there's, there's guys like Eric Anders and, uh, you know, uh, Greg Hardy and these guys who like make transitions and, you know what I'm saying? Like the football players yeah. who have transitioned to MMA have been pretty successful for the most part because they're already so athletic and so physical. But, um, but my point being, I think Jake Paul smokes a lot of professional athletes in boxing because he he really. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and say like you know he beats the hell out of someone like LeBron, like I said. But I mean, if he. <laughs> I think he would smoke Metal World Peace or any of the guys that you brought up. You know what I mean? Like any of these retired guys who don't know how to box. Because the funniest thing to me is like looking on Twitter and all these people who don't know what they're watching. And they're, they're saying all these things like, well, you know, Nate Robinson's from the streets. You know, he knows how to fight. It's like, that's not the same thing. Like, that's not that's not what this is. 
like a street fight is anything goes and you know what i mean there's it's, there's no it's sloppy rules. it's yeah it's, a street fight is not the street fights we get in the movies right right and even then like by the way i think jay paul smokes nate robinson <laughs> in the street fight um, because once again, he knows how to wrestle and Nate, and Nate doesn't. So even if it went to the ground, Jay's going to have the advantage there too. Um, but, but I guess the point kind of being like, it's, I think people would probably make the argument, well, Metal World Peace, he's crazy. You know, he, he go out there and fight fans in the crowd and he didn't care who he fought, you know, on the court and all this stuff. And it's like, well, once again, you're talking about guys who don't fight for a living. Like yep. Jay Paul is... <laughs> He uses his distance well. He throws heavy hands. He's accurate. Um, like, that's another thing, his accuracy. Once again, he hit him eight. I don't know how many times he swung, but he hit him eight times and knocked him down three of those times. Once again, Nate Robinson, I, I, there's no reason to, for us to believe he can take a punch to begin with. But it's like, it's just like, the guy, the guy actually, he looks like he knows what he's doing. And, and him against anybody who doesn't know what they're doing, whether it's a celebrity or a professional athlete or whoever, like the only, I, I honestly kind of like what you were saying, Mose, I think the only, like the only trouble I think Nate Paul's going to, or sorry, Nate Paul, Jake Paul's going to get himself into at all boxing wise is if he starts fighting like legitimate people who are also like actual boxers or fighters, people who really train, who really know what they're doing, who have real coaching. It's another thing about the Nate Robinson thing. I don't know that, I don't know his, his gym's name or his coach's name, but I heard a lot going into this fight about how his head coach is, this isn't to minimize anybody because everyone's got different levels and stuff. But from what I heard, he was mainly training with the dude who pretty much just holds mitts or holds, holds pads. So like, it wasn't like he was even, like Jake Paul's got like the top of the world trainers and like a real regiment and like a weight cutting system and like I said, like a ring in his place and and he's it's a it's a carefully oiled machine well oiled machine that he's put together with like a whole a whole team. And Nate Robinson's like going into a gym and like some guy who like kind of knows what he's doing is like telling him to hit pads where he's like moving them around. You know, it, two two totally different levels going into this thing. No, yeah, it, it, and it showed. It's what we thought again. Uh, I, I didn't keep up a ton with um, with the training of Nate. I, I, I was curious of what Paul was doing. So the little bit I did keep up with there, it, it felt very much like you're describing that. What we got is what I had expected. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see where we go from here, man. Because like he, this kid's not gonna he's gonna fight again, um, and he. He's he may who knows man with with how boxing is uh, there's just there's a world of possibilities especially if he keeps knocking motherfuckers out like I don't even know as weird as it is to say I don't know what the ceiling is yeah yeah it's it's interesting because I think that the I think the fight that makes the most sense next especially because Jake didn't take any damage and this other guy hasn't fought in a long time. I'd, I'd have put him in there with KSI, the guy that beat that, Logan a lot. Right. You know, um, and by the way, I think that uh, the KSI, Logan Paul, the first fight was a draw. The second one, I think, probably should have been a draw. So to be honest, 
Logan was deducted multiple points. I don't want to sound like I'm sitting here just dick riding the Paul brothers, by the way. But it's, <laughs> but, but he he got deducted multiple points for something he shouldn't have, and it and it's what made the the scorecards go in KSI's way. I think it was a, a scoring error, basically. But it wasn't a score. Sorry, it wasn't a scoring error. It was a it was a refereeing error that resulted in in the way that things were scored. Um, but the point being, KSI has uh, that win over Logan. I would do KSI versus Jake. I think Jake smokes him. I think Jake smokes Logan. If they if they ever do a brother versus brother fight, which they've actually talked about a little bit, don't know if they're serious about it or not. But if they did that, I think Jake smokes Logan too. Um, Logan's good though; like he's similar to to Jake, very very similar style. But Logan seems, or sorry, Jake seems to have a lot more power in his punches. And you know, after something like that, you know, whether or not we get that, you know, it's. It is interesting because, I mean, you got to look at it this way. I know I brought him up earlier, but if the UFC is allowed to take CM Punk at a zero and zero sports record and have him fight in the UFC, whether it's guys, I mean, he should have never been there against Mickey Gall to begin with. Mickey Gall is just way beyond his skill level, but people didn't know that. But then again, it's the fucking UFC, so like, you can't feel bad about it either because um, it is the fucking UFC at the end of the day. Like there, there should be the best fighters in the world there. And, but the second one's un, unexcusable. You you went outside the company to find a guy who's a photographer and, and trains sometimes. Uh, and he came in and just clown punk the way that he did. The point being, if you're going to give CM Punk a chance, if Jake Paul wants a chance, I don't know how you could deny it. If you're Dana White, like he has way more reason to be fighting in the UFC than CM Punk did, um, or Michael Jackson for that matter. I mean, so you know, I feel like there's that possibility too at some point. I I, I could see because the thing with them in the UFC that's a win-win because no one's going to be expecting them to go in there and win a cage fight. But if they do, that like doubles their fucking value. You know, like that's. That'd be not in, in, I mean, Paulo Costa did some training with Logan and was giving him some credit. He was like, no, this guy can wrestle. You know, it's like, and when Paulo Costa is actually giving Logan Paul props, it's like, you know, these kids are, are really taking this seriously and they're very athletic. Um, so I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what they do YouTube wise also. If they kind of start shifting more and more away from like that image and more towards like a, you know, a work hard, train hard, we go out and box kind of mentality, we go out and fight kind of mentality versus like, you know, pranking little kids on their YouTube channel or whatever. Like that's, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because I think that they do both have futures in combat sports if they keep taking it seriously because they've, they've been doing it for such a short amount of time. And they, they, I keep using CM Punk as an example, but he's really the best example. Like both of them are far beyond the skill level of, of CM Punk in a shorter amount of time. And he had a chance, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's, and we're, anytime you're talking Dana White, you're talking UFC, you're talking any of that, we're talking money and these Paul kids, man, they, they bring in a crowd, they bring in, you know, a different element. Uh, This is a, this is a different side of fans that maybe aren't in the UFC now. And we know, Nothing, uh, nothing will pique Dana White's interest more than the idea of maybe making a little more money than he than he already has. Um, so yeah, I, I think 
as weird as it is, the biggest story coming out, of course, uh, may end up being Jake Paul and where where we go from here with him. Because, uh, I mean, it, you you can't deny how much it was talked about. I saw it across all social media, you know, people that I know that don't really care about boxing or combat sports at all. We're, we're, we're sharing memes and kind of joking about it. So, uh, yeah, say what you will about this or that about him, but there is something there to the kid. Um, and, and again, the biggest, you know, we, all this is, all this can be said, but at the end of the day, he showed that he's, there's something to him and that's really what we care about. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. It'll be interesting to see where it, where it heads next. But I mean, regardless, it was regardless of how low level Nate Robinson is as a fighter, people have to still be impressed with how Jake looked. So yes, yeah. that yes, that's that's the story there. Um, of course, the main event: Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson. Uh, before that, though, there were plenty of performances, but uh, probably the most talked about thing, other than Jake Paul knocking out Nate, was. The Snoop Dogg just well of a performance with him asking <laughs> Ashton is blunt all over the ring, and then of course his commentary. So, uh, what were your thoughts on on Snoop's part of the show? Yeah, so the other performances I don't have much of an opinion on because I didn't <laughs> I didn't really know who I like, don't don't want to sound ignorant, but I really didn't know who the most of the other people were. Um, and I didn't in the, the Snoop Dogg thing. It was. It was awesome for one, just right off the bat. Like he went through like a whole catalog of his music. He put on like a little mini show, you know, show. Yeah. Which, you know, but what was so funny to me about it, like I, while I was watching it, I was literally laughing out loud while he's like smoking that blunt and, you know, dancing around and stuff. Cause you're, cause like it's hitting me that this is all happening in an empty room. <laughs> you know, cause like, <laughs> Like there's no there's no one there, you know. Aside from like the handful of people like that are working the event, no one's there. So it's just Snoop Dogg in a fucking empty room, just singing and dancing, smoking weed. And I was like, this is so surreal. Like Mike Tyson's about to fight Roy Jones Jr. Like in fucking 2020, and we got Snoop Dogg out here doing his greatest hits with no crowd, just getting high as fuck. Like this is this is so like. It was it was fun though. Like I am not this these weren't bad things by the way. It was just I mean this would have been a lot cooler in front of fans for, for sure. But um I, I'm I think most of the internet agrees too. I think most people that watched that when I was reading the Twitter feed, people were marking out for the Snoop Dogg performance. So uh so you know, shout out to Snoop because he's I don't like him on commentary. I'll just be honest. Like I just, it just isn't for me. Um, but I am a Snoop Dogg fan, like historically speaking. And he's a big pro wrestling fan and he's always been a big MMA and pro boxing fan and stuff. And I, I don't like his commentary in MMA either, by the way, he's done stuff yeah. with like Uriah Faber for the contender series and stuff. I just don't like him on commentary for combat sports. Cause I just don't think it, I don't know what the right word is. It doesn't, uh, He's definitely a, a big fan of a lot of this stuff, but sometimes what he says really is like, oh man, like you got to keep it a little more professional than that if you're like going to be calling a, like a fight and be non-biased about it, you know. Um, he just he says certain things that I think he just kind of steps over his bounds a little bit um, when when criticizing certain fighters. Let me put it that right. way. 
I, I think he has all the right in the world to have an opinion like every other fan does. But when you're commentating live on certain things, you can't really be like, I don't remember exactly what he said when like Nate Robinson got knocked out. But I think I remember being like, oh, that was weird. It was something like he was kind of like, you know, kind of making fun of him a little bit. It seemed like I could be wrong about that. But there there were certain points where that definitely was, was the vibe I was getting. And but once again, him being a part of the show, I'm all for like if he wants. And this is also strictly an issue I have with his like live commentary. If they want to have him on as like a pre-fight analyst kind of guy who like talks about the fights, I'm fine with that. If he's going to do performances, I'm fine with that. If he wants to be, you know, if he wants to give his opinion on the fights afterwards, I'm fine with that. But it's the during the fights stuff that's it comes off weird to me. Um, that being said, though, I think like Israel Adesanya did a great job. Who was doing commentary? Mauro Inalo yes. always does a great job in what he's doing. Um, and stuff like that. So the commentary was good. I just didn't think they needed Snoop, just personal opinion. Um, but his, his performance was, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. What did you think? I had a blast, man. I, again, performance was my favorite part, um, of, of that. I, I knew, I knew a couple of the other guys, I know Wiz performed early. YG was on there. They had fucking, um, I saw the Fritch Montana performance got was just getting roasted uh, on Twitter, which that was hilarious. And then, uh, oh, St. John was like, I think he was the one performed right before Snoop. Uh, I like a couple of his jams. So I was cool, man, with a lot of it. Uh, of course, the Snoop performance really stood out. It was a blast. Um, I'm with you on the commentary stuff. Uh, you know, I, I get... I get why a lot of people enjoyed it. I get why, uh, you know, it's entertaining. It's fun. Um, but yeah, from just from my side of it, actually doing commentary, there are things I didn't like. Uh, uh, again, I know we're having fun, so I'm not going to harp on it. Um, just definitely, I think you summed it up great. Uh, I would love to have him pre-show, post-show thoughts, funny guy stuff, but I just didn't really love uh, him you know, during the fight at times. So uh, outside of that, though, man, it was an absolute blast. Um, and then, of course, it, like, it, there's no other way to get us to this main event, right, than Snoop Dogg just, like, <laughs> performing like he's got a packed house, even though it's he's essentially just performing for the, the commentary team and, like, the production crew. Um, and then that gets us to, of course, the main event, uh, Roy Jones Jr., Mike Tyson. We knew going in there wasn't going to be a winner. It was agreed on. Um, so everybody complaining about that. I know I had an absolute blast. Like that's all I wanted to talk about. I was like, how did you have fun watching this fight? Because seeing Mike Tyson throwing just shots to the body and like just slinging those hands again was so exciting. And then of course Jones dancing around, popping in and out. Man, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's one of those things where I feel like it depended on what your expectations of this fight were. And I Great think that word. they, and I think they pretty much lived up to what my expectations would be. I didn't expect either of them to go out there and be fighting like it was, you know, the, the late 90s, you know, because that's unrealistic. Roy Jones Jr. Uh, was fighting actively up until like two years ago. And, you know, even then you could see diminishing skills. Like, and that's just, that's just going to happen to everybody. Like, I mean, Father Time is the only undefeated opponent. You know, it's like there's, it's going to happen to everyone. And the fact that Tyson went in there, I mean, 15 years, that's a long time. But 
there was clearly a difference to me in like Mike Tyson's demeanor walking to the ring for this than any other time I'd ever seen Mike Tyson fight. Yeah. When I, you know, back in the day when you saw him coming out, he looked like he was ready to murder you. He's got those, he had those beady eyes locked right on you and he's pacing back and forth and he is in kill mode. This fight was more like, all right, let's see how this goes. Like I hadn't done this in a long time. It was kind of like the face he was making to me was like, I don't think he was like unsure of himself. I think he went in prepared. I mean, he looked like to be, he was in great shape, but he was definitely in better shape than Roy Jones. I think that was pretty clear throughout the fight that uh, Jones was much more gassed. It looked like throughout the fight than, than Tyson was. And it, I mean, just it's the difference in being like a, 20 something 30 or something year old killer in like a 50 something year old man i mean it's a you know it just is what it is but as far as the actual fight i mean i know that there wasn't going to be a winner because like you mentioned Mose, they, yeah. they literally said in the rules heading into the fight that there was going to be no winner they were both going to get belts afterwards and it basically participation trophy type scenario if there was if there was any kind of cut during the fight they were going to stop the fight and all this stuff which almost happened right pretty early on you saw the ref step in and like a nick, you know, they looked at just a nick of a cut, and you heard the commentators saying like, "Alex, so yeah, I, I think that's an important part to mention." Yeah, and I think that that's why we didn't see Tyson throwing to the yep. head as much as what you would expect him to in a fight like that. Um, he threw a lot of really good body shots, and Roy Jones Jr. after the fight uh, credited those to the reason he got so gassed. He was talking about how. Tyson still hit, hits hard as hell, and after some of those body shots, like, his conditioning kind of went out the window because, you know, he got hit in the body, and that totally makes sense. But I think that's part of of kind of what happened because a lot of people were like, man, he threw a lot of great body shots. Why wasn't he just hitting him in the head? And I think that's part of it because part of the rules also was no knockout. Or, sorry, there, like, the second someone got knocked down, like, that was it. Like, there was, was going to be no yep. knockouts and all that stuff, so... I think if these rules were different, I think if they were doing three-minute rounds instead of two-minute rounds, um, and the rules were, you know, set up like normal rules are, where you're, you know, where all the other stuff would be allowed, I think Tyson would have, for one, I think he won. Like, if there was going to be an actual scorecard read at the end of that fight, I think Tyson clearly won. It was eight rounds, I think, so I think he, he probably won, like, seven of the eight rounds. Like, I think it was pretty clear. Um, that Tyson really did win that fight. But if if they fought with different rules, I think that Tyson is going to the head more often. I think there's a, a good chance he cuts him or knocks him out. Um, Roy Jones Jr. looked like pretty good too, to give him his credit. Like he, he didn't go in there and just get like completely smoked, but I uh I I felt like Tyson definitely got the better of him throughout that fight. And and yeah, I, I think that the rules is kind of what but, you know, that's the reason we didn't get a lot of shots to the head and stuff. But for what it was, though, the fact that they fought within the rules and uh, and what we did get was, a, you know, it's one of those things like, do I want to see it again? Not necessarily, but like, would I watch it again? Like if they did it? Sure. You know, mm-hmm. no. And it's important to note this isn't this was a different mic. I mean, he's older. He, it's not the same. I want to eat your heart, Mike Tyson. Man, he, he's he's just he's more chilled out, man. So, and he said so in interviews leading up. Like he he, he did what he said he was. He's going to protect himself and throw for bad intentions. But 
he's not gonna go he didn't go for the head like you said he, he could have i mean he probably could have put jones down like not knock out completely but to, you know knocked him down and, and that be that um but he he didn't want that he said it afterwards right he wants to do charity fights and kind of a more humanitarian look outlook of it than you know young mike tyson of like i'm gonna take your head and like i'm gonna fuck everybody else up if i have to it's just it's a different man. He's got, of course, the Tyson Ranch, his marijuana dispensary, like full-blown thing. Like, you know, that's doing well. Um, so, man, the thing about it is, is knowing his story, knowing where Mike Tyson was, you know, like you said, 15, 20 years ago, the fact that he's here, he's healthy, he lost, what, like 100 pounds for this fight. Um, and he's happy, man. This is a guy that there's been a lot of ups and downs. Uh, again, if you'd have told me, when I was 15, 16, 17 years old that, Hey, when you're like 30, 31, <laughs> you know, Mike Tyson's going to fight Roy Jones in this exhibition fight. I'd have been like, there's no fucking way. So the fact that, that Mike's still out here and he, again, happy, like he's a happy dude, been through a lot of hell, uh, made some not great decisions, but you could tell he's learned. And, and I just, it was a, it was awesome, man. Just as a fan of this guy's career. And of course, Roy Jones jr. Um, you know, that was, uh, I, I was, into boxing when he, he was really the guy, you know what I mean? So that all this was really cool, but just for me, for my age, by the time I really got into boxing, I'd missed Mike. You know, I, I had to go back and watch um, his stuff from when I was, you know, before I was born or, like, when I was a kid was when he was fucking shit up. So uh, this was really cool from a fan's perspective. And, and again, just the, the takeaway for me was Mike looked good. They had fun. And, um and maybe they can do some cool charity stuff down the line. Like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? No, I got no issue with it at all. And I'm pretty sure he made, like, $30 million to fight Roy Jones Jr. So I could be wrong about that number. But that's – I know if, I was watching the Joe Rogan podcast. I think it was earlier this week. He had on <coughs> Mike Judge, the creator of uh, oh, Beavis right. and Butthead and yep. all that. And he was with the dude from the Ghetto Boys, and I can't – his name's escaping me. Willie D. Fucking, Willie D., yes. Thank you. Thank you for – because that dude's the fucking man. I, I, yes, I, he is. Like, I used to listen to Ghetto Boys back in high school a lot. And that kind of – like, I, I – super underrated still. Like, they were, like, one of, like, the first, you know, um, real kind of big, like, rap, hip-hop kind of groups. And uh, and he, that interview was really interesting that he, that he did that day and, and – the reason I bring it up is uh, Willie D and Rogan are talking a lot about this fight throughout that podcast. And Rogan was talking all about how, you know, a couple years ago he had, or it was like around a year ago, he had Mike Tyson on the show and they sat around and smoked weed. And all Tyson was doing was like, he was basically smoking record amounts of marijuana. Like as far as, the volume that him and his people were smoking like at his ranch and stuff, it was apparently like pounds a day, which is like crazy to think about that. This guy was just kind of gaining weight. And, and yep. by the way, I'm not judging, like I love weed as much as the next guy, but it's one of those things where like his mind, his, his mindset had completely changed. He was completely out of the fight game. He was just enjoying life and smoking weed and just, just taking it easy and, and just living a different life. And then he said by the time he came back the second time to the show more recently, Tyson's mentality had just completely shifted. And I think it started when his wife basically called him fat and like told him to hit the treadmill. And then the next thing Tyson knew, he did like 30 minutes, was completely gassed, 
went back on there, did the treadmill for like two hours. And then the next thing he knew, like he stopped smoking weed and he's back in like fight shape and training and stuff. And, and thinking about how, you know, these young guys coming up could all beat me up now. Like I got to still be the man kind of mentality. And Rogan even mentioned that, that Tyson was so intense that Rogan wound up bringing in a new table for his studio after that, um, after that interview, because he, he wanted a bigger table after Tyson came in because he was so close to Tyson when, when they were doing the interview, cause the, the table was shorter. So the distance between the two of them was, they weren't that far apart when they were looking at each other. And he said, Tyson was making him nervous and uncomfortable. Uh, same with Jamie, his producer, because when he was asking uh, Tyson certain questions, he was like snapping back into like that late nineties Tyson where like, he's getting real serious and like kind of like shaking while he's talking and Rogan sitting right there. Like I, I like this guy is in kill mode right now, answering these questions. And so like the mentality had totally changed and Rogan had brought up something along the lines of like, he seemed like he was totally out of it uh, boxing wise. And then they were like, Hey man, uh, we'll give you 30 mil to box Roy Jones. And he was like, excuse me. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll come back for that, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, the transformation is is wild to see how that all changed. And, you know, $30 million is a lot of money. If that's what he got paid to go out there and do an exhibition where he, you know, no knockouts, no winner, no cuts and all that stuff, like more power to him. Uh, if they want to go out and he wants to do some charity stuff going forward, I think that'd be great. Especially if he was in there against some people that, you know, would be interesting to see him fight, whether they're celebrities or other retired boxers or, uh, you know, ex athletes or whatever it is. Um, I mean, like Anderson Silva and him boxing, I think would be interesting, you know, something like that too. I think, I think they, they talked about Anderson Silva and Roy Jones possibly having a, a they've been talking about it forever, but recently that's kind of resurfaced again. Um, I think, I think Anderson smokes Roy Jones though, by the way, like I, I think Anderson's still at a level. Pe- yes. He's really, People really, uh, I think, I, I'm not necessarily saying I want to see Anderson keep fighting, you know, past his prime the way that he is, but, like, he's only losing to the top guys. We've talked about yeah. it on the show. Like, even before he got knocked out by Uriah Hall in his last fight, like, it was a competitive fight. He's still a high-level fighter. Um, he's just losing to the best guys who are in their primes now. But I think that Anderson, if he went in there looking how he's looked in his UFC fights and he fought Roy Jones Jr., like the Roy Jones that I saw fight Mike Tyson, you know, I think Anderson uh, would do really well against him in, in boxing. So I think both guys have options like beyond this. And I think we're going to keep seeing them do stuff. But I hope it's at kind of the I guess I'll put it this way. I don't think I want to see Mike Tyson in there having like real pro boxing fights against top level guys anymore. Like based on what I saw, no. I think, you know, I think he looked good against Roy Jones for what it was, but I, there, I don't want to see him in there with like, you know, a fucking like, this is like a huge stretch, but someone like a Tyson Fury or a Deontay Wilder or Anthony or, or a, a, a Joshua or anyone like that. Like that's no. just, yeah, we, that, that would be, yeah, that'd be like throwing BJ Penn out there against like fucking uh, Habib right now. You know what I mean? Like, don't don't do that. Um, but 
But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, like I said before, if Tyson never fought ever again, I'm fine with it. But if he was to fight again, like, I'm not against it either. You know what I mean? Like, he looked good enough, you know? Yeah, just did a little due diligence. It appears that Iron Mike made about $10 million and and RJJ left with about $3 million, um over the weekend. But still, like, to your point, that's what, were they two-minute rounds? So... 16 minutes of fighting. Um, that ain't bad, brother. That ain't bad. No, not at all. And I don't know. Is that is that like the disclosed pay? Because there's also yeah. the possibility. Yeah, I'm sure he brought in sponsorship money and, yes. and all that stuff to pay-per-view buys. It was like a $50 show, I'm pretty sure. It um, was, I believe. So so he's getting a cut of all that stuff, too. So um, maybe not $30 million total, but... Uh, but you know, you take that 10 million and maybe double it. I mean, a lot of fucking money for, for what you said, 16 rounds of exhibition fighting. I mean, uh, I, I cannot, here's the thing, whether it's, uh, Mike Tyson or even BJ Penn, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, BJ Penn, if someone were to offer BJ Penn $10 million to fight Habib or or $10 million to fight anybody for that matter, like, I'm not against that. Like, how do you? How can I shit on somebody who's like gonna make ten million dollars, whether he gets his ass kicked or not? Like that's ten. Like I'll go. Like if someone gave me ten million dollars, I'll take that fight. <laughs> you know, I know I'm gonna get destroyed, but it's ten million dollars. Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? Like yeah. You know? uh, let Dana know I'll fight Brock Lesnar tomorrow for fucking ten million dollars. <laughs> right. It's like it'd be over so fast that like you go in there, you take your punch to the chin, you get knocked out, you wake up at the <laughs> hospital, but you never have to work another day of your life. You just try to avoid neurological issues along the way. You know, that's really what you're trying to avoid is, you know, if, if they can clean my clock once. Oh, actually, best case scenario, you go in there, you fall to the ground like a bitch. You know, you just go straight to your back and they just jump on you and choke you out. Perfect scenario. Like, put me in a rear naked choke for 10 mil. It's later. No brain damage. Good to go. So use the smelling sauce to wake me up and it's going to be the check clear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly well it sounds like we had a good time man i know uh i i can't stress it enough um it was really cool to watch mike tyson fight live like that's something that i didn't think i would get to do uh i i, I do i want to see it again yeah do i need to absolutely not but the way they're talking maybe some charity fights goes to a good cause and, and again mike uh you know, the fact that he's he's able to to be happy this late. I mean, how many boxers do we know of at this point in their life, you know, have have so many health issues. So uh, for them to be, you know, in their 50s and still still doing it, man, it's really it's just really, really cool. Uh, two legends. Good stuff. Um, anything you want to add before we get into the, the UFC card? No, nothing really. I, I'll say uh, just kind of. To bring that home, uh, I think it was it was a show. That I, I honestly, I think it exceeded my expectations, which is always yeah. a good thing. Yeah, honestly, um, I agree. And if for no other reason, once again, I'm not going to dick ride this family. I know people that listen to this probably already like fuck Stephen. He's just all over the the Paul brothers. That really isn't the case. But like the, I am impressed with with Jake. So it's one of those things where. For the at the very least, regardless of what you thought about all the performances or what you thought about how Tyson and Jones looked or whatever else, it was worth it to me. Like it was worth the money to see 
what Jake Paul did. It's a it, it's a draw. Like to, it, it's intriguing, and he's good. And it's one of those things where like I think I think that the Jones and um, Tyson fight was just it was a great icing on the cake. Like I got my money's worth with the undercard and with the Jake Paul fight, and then. Um, or the Jake Paul result, I should say. The fight wasn't, you know, wasn't that impressive. But like, what he, the, the knockdowns and and the way that he knocked him out was, and then it was like, oh shit, we still got motherfucking Roy Jones Jr. and fucking Mike Tyson still. Like, hell yeah, like this is, you know, it was, it was. I'll tell you what, it was the exact opposite of what happened at WWE Survivor Series a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, I watched, I watched that show and. It, I can't remember what the last match was. Um, it ended. Oh, I think it was. I think it was Roman and Drew McIntyre. I think and Roman won. I think is it was the last match, and I was like, oh, hey, that was a pretty good main event. Um, cool. Uh, show's over, and then like you realize that there's still the Undertaker uh, farewell thing. Right. And and that thing I thought I thought that was all just so corny. Like the all the fake taker chants and stuff. He's in an arena in front of nobody. Like I have no reason to believe that this is his actual last appearance. As a matter of fact, I'm confident he'll wrestle again. Like I really don't think he's done. I think this was all just this big Undertaker cash grab where he's coming out with like the Snoop Dogg t shirts and doing all these interviews and, and hot ones and stuff. And he has his own like credit card now. Like it's like this big cash grab. And, um, and when that was over, I was like, damn it. I feel like I was just duped into watching this for an extra half hour. Like this would have been perfect if they just ended it after the match. This was the exact opposite. Like when I watched this, this show, this last, this last, uh, Saturday, it was like the undercard was solid. The Jake Paul knockout was impressive. And then we had the main event, which exceeded my expectations. So, I mean, but people can have their opinions of, and this is also different, by the way. And this is a show full of like Bagel Boss versus Screech and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like because there are those kind of shows, like the celebrity boxing type shows that I do think are really embarrassing. And those are complete cash grabs with people who have no boxing skill. This wasn't that. This was a good card. And uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I think it was. To say it was worth the money is tough because it's like 50 bucks to watch a YouTuber knock out a basketball player. But the main event was good enough. It's For people in our age group, especially and older, the nostalgia of being able to see yes. Mike Tyson fight again is enough for to justify the uh, the price point, I think, you know. And, and they, you keep forgetting you got a Snoop Dogg performance for that 50 bucks too, bro. You did. And, he, and that was the thing with... Before that fight, he's out there like he was doing his uh his music, some of the stuff from like around the time when when Tyson was the man. Yeah, dude. In school, like listening to like gin and juice, like right before a Tyson fight in 2020. Like what the fuck? We're living, man. 2020's been down, but uh, thanks to this, I mean, it could have easily been off the rails, but that was a fun show, man. Was it the best? You know, no, but like. That was a lot of fun, and at the end of the day, if I can kick back and have some fun on a Saturday night and get to and get to see, you know, some legends, some good concert stuff. Um, like you said, I, Izzy on commentary was a lot of fun. It was a cool experience, man, and I, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not gonna hate on it. Like we knew what to expect going in with the rules. Like 
nostalgia is the word, man. It, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And again, I got to cross that off the bucket list watching Mike, uh, Mike fight live. So uh, nothing but happiness over here in the Mosley household. Even my, uh, my wife, who she's more, she prefers MMA to boxing, but even she was getting into to Tyson and Roy with me. So it was, uh, it was a big win over here, man. Um, while that was going on, we also were doing our due diligence and had UFC fight night. UFC on ESPN 18, UFC Vegas 15. Uh, I don't need to tell you, but I'm going to, of course, the main event ended up because of COVIDs. We didn't get Lewis Blades. New main event, uh, Anthony Smith, Lionheart in there with Devin Clark. First round triangle choke win. We talked about it last week, Stephen. Lionheart needed a good performance here, and he got it. Yeah, he needed this bad. This was, um, this is exactly what he needed to do. He went in there. He took no damage. He got an impressive submission victory. I mean, it's one of those things with with Anthony Smith. Like, I know I kind of, like, because last week I I probably picked Devin Clark before this was the main event. Because we we talked mainly about uh, Blades and Lewis. And, of course, the fight didn't happen. But um, I think when we were going through this show, I was like, I think Devin Clark gets the job done. Like, Anthony Smith's kind of down and out. But... To be fair, like when you look at him do what he did to Devin, you know, once again, Devin Clark, not even a ranked opponent, but kind of given the circumstances and stuff, it was one of those uh, sink or swim moments for Devin Clark. Like if you get a win over Anthony Smith, you're automatically in the top 10 of the division. Um, if Anthony Smith beats you, he holds his ranking. And the thing with, with Smith that I really need to pump the brakes on and reevaluate my own opinions of him, which is something I try to do. Like I, I do my best. This isn't like to toot my own horn, but I do my best to try to keep an open mind about stuff. Like my mind can be changed about things. If people give me enough um, kind of reason or facts behind something, at the very least, I'll, I'll consider it. And when I look at Anthony Smith's record, I wasn't being fair to him because you know, he got smoked by Glover Teixeira, but fuck, Glover Teixeira is like the next in line for a title shot. He's been he's been smoking everyone lately. So there's really no shame in that at this point. At the time, it kind of felt like that because we didn't realize Glover was like on the tear he was. He was doing well, but like we didn't expect that to happen against Anthony Smith. I was in a Rockic, kind of the similar thing. Like I picked Rockic pre-fight and I think Rockic is just a better fighter right now. Um, he's one of these guys that's knocking on the, the door of a title shot soon, I think. So <laughs> Smith's last two losses, I, I, I think, I think I held those against Anthony Smith a little too much and it was unfair to me. And even before that, John Jones and Tiago Santos being his only other losses since 2006, like, sorry, 2016, like, I, Anthony Smith's still right there. He's still a top level guy. He still could work his way back up to a title shot at some point. I think uh, my opinion of him has definitely 180 again, where it's like, it's, it's kind of similar to the Cody Garbrandt thing where it's like, if you do stuff like this, it's easy for me to forget about the other stuff. You get right. a couple impressive wins, right? Like, and then you, and then in hindsight, you look back at who the losses were against and how they happened, And you're like, Okay, you know what? I uh, I think I was wrong. I, I think I was I think I was too quick to to jump on the Anthony Smith is is done train. I, I was wrong about that. He is uh, 
he's still, I think he's still a top 10, a top five, uh, you know, level guy in the division. He, he showed that on Saturday, really proved a lot of people like myself wrong. Well, it's, it's one of those things too. Uh, it happens in all sports, but I feel like we really, really do it in fighting. Of we're prisoners of the moment of, you know, uh, we, we want to, we're myself is I'm guilty as anyone else. We want to push the new exciting guy too quick, maybe, and we want to maybe throw someone to the wayside a little too quick at times. So um, you were, I was a little bit higher on Lionheart than you have been the last little bit, but I, I mean, I wasn't far off, man. Like I, I know Glover. I, I, hey, me, we even you've been we've been praising Glover. It feels like all year, so uh, I don't need to get into that, but. It did. It feels like looking back on it again, we're saying, hey, like, maybe let's not do that as much. Maybe let's let these guys kind of figure this out. Because, again, we're talking about somebody when he fought uh, when he fought Jones, you know, that was last year. You know, this is 31, you know, 31, 32 year old dude. Um, big spot to be in there with with a guy like Bones. Um, and then, of course, since then, uh, everything with with Gus Glover, Alexander, and then now the Devin Clark, like that's that's a hell of a stretch. And, and, and to the point you're making to lead off with this, he did exactly what he should have done with Devin Clark. If he's the Lionheart, we, we think he is, you know, he should have been a favorite. If it hadn't been for these last couple of losses, this would have been one that I'm like, Oh yeah. you know, no disrespect to Devin, but this is a fight. Anthony should, should just kind of walk away with. And he did, man, again, first round triangle submission. He got himself a little bonus, a $50,000 bonus performance of the night. There were no fight of the nights uh, on this card. Just want to get that out there. So um, everything he needed to do, right? Everything Anthony Smith needed to do, he did. And just like that, uh, his next fight, he goes from, man, what's going to happen if he loses again to now it's, well, hell, if, if he can get in there with someone else, he, maybe he does climb just a little bit closer, especially in this division where, the light heavyweight and the heavyweights, we just, I feel like we have no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah, right. And and one thing I want to add, too, about, uh, there was something I was going to mention. Um, oh, man, I just lost it. That's my bad. Man, what was I going to say? Um, it definitely had to do with Anthony Smith. And, oh, now I remember. So, Part of something I want to bring up real quick, and then I'll kind of go on to kind of what's next, kind of where you're heading with what right. maybe happens with Anthony Smith next. I just did a video that I edited for all things MMA. It hasn't dropped yet. I'd assume it'll probably go up. Like, I don't know if they have any like in their back catalog, but it'll probably go up this week, maybe even as early as today. I'm not sure. And I don't want to spoil <clears throat> what the list is about, but um, it has to do with, I'll just put it this way. It has a lot to do with the reasons why I, I am so fast to to kind of, I don't want to say turn on, on fighters, but that I'm quick to be like, I don't know if you should be doing this anymore mm -hmm. because we have seen so many of these examples in the past of the people who hang, who hang on too long. And that's what I'm always fearful of. And we talk about it on the show a lot. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have any reason to believe like Anthony Smith was heading down like the BJ Penn path yet. I'm not, I'm not getting, it wasn't like that yet, but the thing with like him and Cody Garbrandt and some others that I've been wrong about is like for every one of those, there's like a Rashad Evans, you know what I mean? Someone who like, you know, looks like they still kind of have it. And then it, I mean, 
Anthony Smith's a perfect example. Anthony Smith beat the hell out of Rashad Evans. And, like, Rashad Evans at one point was, like, maybe the best fighter, like, on the planet at any weight, pound for pound. Like, he was right there in that conversation. And I just hate watching that decline. Now, as a fan, who am I to make that decision, right? Like, I can't I can't be like, this guy should or shouldn't fight anymore. I don't know what the motivations for fighting are. Um, I, I can't judge them. They can do whatever they want to do. They're, they're adults. But that's what I'm always kind of thinking in the back of my mind when I'm like, you know, there's certain guys that, like, like Alexander Gustafson, I, I bring him up a lot. Same kind of thing where... But he hasn't had that turnaround again yet where he's, like, gotten back to winning. It's just, like, lost, 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 keeps looking a little worse each time. And then you get to a point where you're, like, you know, at one point is four losses in a row too much or five losses in a row. Then you, by the next thing you know, you're at seven, like B.J. Penn. And and at one point, B.J. Penn was the, the baddest man on the planet. And now it's he's got the longest winning or losing streak in the company's history. You know, it's like you just don't want to see it ever get to those points. So that's why I'm always so quick after like two, three big losses. I'm like, oh, maybe you should reevaluate. But for but then again, there's guys like Glover Teixeira, like we keep talking about. I felt the same way about Glover Teixeira a few oh. years ago. And now he's, in my opinion, the rightful number one contender for the title. So Yes, I not agree more. So it's just, you just never know. But I, a lot of it has to do with the respect I have for these guys. Like, I have so much respect for Anthony Smith. I think he's such a great guy. Um, I, I I love his story and like his family's story and and I mean the guy got into MMA by seeing he was getting like his haircut or something and he saw like a flyer for a local MMA show that was happening like that night or over the weekend or something and just like entered. He was like, I think I could do this, you know. Like I mean, just it seems cool as hell and 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 the fact that he's gotten to the title shot and and had the the. I mean, honestly, he could have – I'm glad he didn't, but he could have taken the win over John Jones. People forget he got yeah. a legally need in the head and could have taken the DQ and won the belt. And that just speaks to him as a person. He knew that that wasn't the right thing to do and the right way to win the title. And he gave up a, gave up the title, basically, um, because for, you know, for respect of not wanting to be the one who beat John Jones that way. You know, like – so – that's where it comes from for me, just just to put that out there. I'm never doing these things thinking, like, fuck this guy. Like, he's he's fucking washed up. It's like, I don't, oh, it's like damn, I really like this guy. I don't I don't know if we'll ever see him be what he used to be, and, and I don't want to see him getting knocked out on the way out. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. That It's it's always something. It's a, That's the hard part of this, man. You know, we don't – we're not in there. We don't know what they're going through. We're just – watching what we watch and how many times it, it it's just so hard seeing that fall it really is yeah yeah so but to kind of get back to like anthony smith and and what i think happens next they've been talking about it for a while and i guess now makes more sense than ever and this i think would be really good for anthony smith and also echoes everything i just said about um everyone else the, if they do him versus luke rockhold I think that's where it heads. I think that's where we get next because the two guys hate each other. They've wanted to fight for years. Rockhold's still talking shit on, on social media. Um, like he wants to fight him. Uh, I don't think Anthony Smith, like, I don't think it makes sense for, you know, rematch someone like Rockich right now or, or Santos. Like I, I, I would be fine with it. Like if, if Anthony Smith fought Tiago Santos or, or Dominic Reyes or someone like that, like I'm not against it. 
or even someone lower down in the rankings like a Nikita Krylov or something like that. Like I'm I'm fine with that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that I think that Luke Rockhold is in the category of what I was saying about Anthony Smith before this fight. You know what I mean? Like I think Luke Rockhold is done. Like I think that Anthony Smith cleans Luke Rockhold's clock if they fight each other. Um, but I could be totally wrong. Just like I, you know, I, I, we could be having the same exact conversation about Luke Rockhold that I, that I was saying about Anthony Smith today. Uh, but based on Luke Rockhold's last few performances, it isn't even like they were like decision. Like Anthony Smith went to a decision with Alexander Rockage. Luke Rockhold has been getting like knocked out cold face down. You know what I mean? Like that's a different type of, that's different to me than like a close decision uh, or even a, even a decision that that isn't close. Like you made it the distance. Luke Rockhold's going in there and just getting knocked out silly. So, um, but I think that, I think it makes sense if like, if Luke Rockhold's going to fight, the beef is there. Anthony Smith, it's a very winnable fight for him and Luke Rockhold, no one can ever take away the fact that he is a former middleweight champion uh, in strike force and in the UFC. So, you know, I think that's probably what we get next. I don't know if you have uh, some more thoughts or you think there might be a better opponent for, uh, for Anthony next. No, that, I, I really, there were so many ways they could go. You talked me into that really quick because I, with everything that Luke Rockhold has done, um, I think that would be a big, a big feather in the cap for, for Lionheart. And I, I agree with you. I think, Smith wants it a little more, uh, maybe a lot more now. I don't know, but I think he would come in and really turn some heads with that performance. So yeah, dude, sign <laughs> sign me all the way up with that one. Yeah, Luke Rockhold's interesting to me because, like, well, for one thing, the upside for him, of course, is if if he does fight um, Anthony Smith and he wins, especially impressively, yeah. he's now like a top five ranked light heavyweight which is complete new life for Luke Rockhold. Um, Because I don't see him ever, like, fighting his way back up to the middleweight title. If he had to come in here and start fighting, like, if he had to rematch Chris Weidman right off the bat, like, that's an interesting fight because he beat him the first time. But, like, you start getting into some stuff where, like, Uriah Hall, Kevin Gastelum, Derek Brunson, Darren Till, Yoel, Hermanson, Cannoneer, Paulo Costa, Whitaker, Adesanya, these guys, I don't see him beating any of those guys. I just don't see it happening. Um, if he came to light heavyweight and, and got the job done against Anthony Smith, he's probably like, you know, like one big fight away, especially because of his history with the other title and all that stuff. Like, he's right there in the mix for potential title shots. So if you're, if you're, Luke Rockhold, and you're going to continue fighting, and you're offered Anthony Smith at light heavyweight, I think you take that fight, no questions asked. Um, but, you know, the thing with, with Rockhold that gets me too is, you know, I, what I, this is just my personal opinion. I think what happened with him is he won the title, and he won it at a, I'm not taking anything away from Luke Rockhold, but he won it at a time where the whole division was very vulnerable. Like, Chris Weidman had just beat Anderson Silva twice, and he beat non-TRT Vitor Belfour, and I think he might have beaten Machida as well. I can't remember. But um, the point is, Chris Weidman, like, he was he was good. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Chris Weidman as the champion, but, like, Luke Rockhold matched up really well against Weidman, and 
he got the job done. Like he for sure won fair and square, all power to, to Luke Rockhold for doing what he did. But then I think what kind of happened was all the outside of the, the octagon opportunities where now Ralph Lauren uh, or whoever the, the polo brand they're, they're calling you to do cologne commercials and GQ wants you to model for them. <laughs> right. And, and you're getting acting opportunities and, and all these things are happening while you're the champion and you start getting kind of a big head. We've seen this happen to a lot of champions, by the way, this is not exclusive to Luke Rockhold. And I think that he started to think that, and also, by the way, he's training on a daily basis at this point in his career against guys like Daniel Cormier and Habib's in there and uh, Cain Velasquez and like all these guys that are, you know, he's in there with, with killers, like some of the best in the world and holding his own and, and sparring with these guys. So like he has a lot of reason to be confident for sure. He's the world champion and he's got one of the best training uh, centers in the world and the best training partners. And he knows he's a badass. And once again, these are all facts. Like no one can take these things away from him. Right. But similar to when Tyron Woodley was the champion, a lot of these same things starts getting, you know, it starts uh, basically tries to start a rap career while he's the champion tries doing all these music videos, tries to get into acting, um, tries to do more analyst work and, and camera and, and non-fighting roles and these kind of things. But what they don't realize is until it's too late is when you're not the champion anymore and you're not winning fights, these opportunities don't happen anymore. And I don't know what, what Luke Rockhold's status with like polo is at the moment or anything like that. Cause I just, I just don't care enough to like look into it, to be honest. But the, the point is I'd imagine that all, all these or 99% of the opportunities that Luke Rockhold was getting when he was the champion and shortly after he was champion, once he went in there and started getting knocked out and like retired, I, it's hard for me to believe that all, hardly any of these opportunities still exist for him. So he's probably eating a big slice of humble pie right now, sitting at home and being like, man, like I, like I got nothing to do and I still feel like I can fight at a high level and I need to start making call outs if I'm going to do this because you know what I mean? Like no one's talking about Luke Rockhold, even in the MMA world anymore, aside from like what we're saying right now about him, like there's no buzz at all for him. No, I had to go back and look um, just a second ago. But, yeah, we're talking about, you know, outside of uh, that win over David Branch, which, um, you know, going into that fight, I think we all expected Rockhold to win. Uh, I mean, that last big win for him was over Weidman for the title back in 2015. So, that, I mean, in MMA years, that's a long time, dude. Dude, that's a fucking eternity in MMA years. Um that that might as well be 20 years ago to be honest i mean it's no, like for real um so it's and the, and to be fair you know it sucks that it's the case but it is the truth it's this is a very a very much of a you know what have you done for me lately kind of sport it just it unfortunately for these guys and girls it just is um you know and and i just think that i don't know i i don't know i don't know for sure what Luke Rockhold's motivations for wanting to fight again are, are, I really don't, but I have to believe they're along these lines. Like I don't, he probably thought he would get out of fighting and he would just have like this great modeling career type thing. And then the opportunities probably dried up and 
And here's the other thing too, man. I really didn't like the way he handled the Bisbing loss and stuff. Like there's there's a lot of things that make me really dislike Luke Rockhold. Like it's it's I and I hate to even like say that, but it's just the truth. Like he just really very very cocky. The way that he, I mean, Michael Bisbing went in there on short notice and beat him fair and square, right? Like there was no absolutely there was no controversy about it, and Luke just basically was a giant crybaby about the whole thing. Like, like literally like covering his face and like during interviews after the fight, giving Bisbee no credit and basically just keep kept going back to their first fight. Well, I choked him with one arm the last time he got lucky this time. It was like, well, no, you were cocky as hell. You were overconfident. You were fighting with your hands down and a guy who's known for throwing punches hit you in the face. Like, I, I mean, there's, there's no excuses. This guy straight up beat you and he just like wouldn't accept it. All the all the modeling stuff like if people can do stuff outside of fighting that's fine with me like I, you you should take those opportunities but you shouldn't prioritize that stuff over fighting if you still want to be a high level fighter we've seen it so many times with so many of these guys like you start doing all this outside of the octagon stuff and your fighting gets put to the side and your training gets put to the side and the next thing you know, you're not a pro fighter anymore, and there's no opportunities outside of fighting. And now you're sitting in this weird spot like Rockhold probably is, where, uh, you know, physically he's still probably around the prime of his his life because he's probably like in his mid-30s or or maybe early 40s. I, I really don't know. But he's still, you know, young enough to be a high-level fighter, but he's also been out of the game for a few years now. He's taken some big knockout losses. Yes. And there's and there's not like a huge clamoring to see him fight either. It's not it's not one of these things where like you know there's like the the big example, but Connor could not fight for two, three, four years in a row. And the second he's mentioned, people are like, fuck yeah, I want to see Connor back in there. <laughs> with with Luke, it's like, I can take it or leave it. Like I feel like whoever he fights is just gonna knock him out. So I don't really you know what I mean? Like it definitely isn't the same kind of feeling. Oh no, no not at all. And the motivation again when when all this other stuff kind of comes how how focused how motivated are you to fight because we know after this last performance anyone that was questioning anthony smith that guy is motivated to fight he knows he's a fighter uh i believe he's 32 um his record now sits at 30 he's 34 and 16 um with again a lot of these losses, three of them in the last, God, I mean, I can't believe, again, the credit of, of Lionheart, right, since March 2nd, 2019, that's when he fought Bones. It's gone Bones, Gus, Teixeira, Alexander Rakic, and Clark. All of that since March of 2019, man, with COVID, with all this other shit going on, with the losses. Uh, that's another thing uh, it's easy to lose track of in all this, but the ability to come back from those losses, the mental toughness of Anthony Smith is there. So there's no disputing uh, where his head is at in this. And if that does end up coming with Rockhold, I think Smith is a big favorite just off what we've seen. And again, the, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, totally. And, and that's the thing with Smith is that the, why the performance was so important, I think to me beating Devin Clark was, Obviously, it was impressive because of how quickly he won and the no damage and all that. That was obviously that, that goes without saying, but that this really showed that because how do I put this? He knew like, he knew going into this fight that his back was against the wall. 
You know, like, like he knew he had to have that kind of performance for people to like myself <coughs> to, to 180 their opinion back to this guy's a, a, a championship level fighter. And he did literally exactly what he needed to do. Like whether it was a knockout, a submission, even a, a one-sided decision, regardless of how it happened, he knew he needed a definitive, impressive performance in that main event. Especially because he's the one, he said that he called Dana White when Blades and Lewis went down and he was the one who requested the change from three rounds to five rounds because he wanted to prove not only am I still a high-level fighter, I'm a high-level championship-level fighter who can fight five rounds against anybody right now. Like, it was it was his decision. Like, he didn't have to do that. They could have just made it a three-rounder, and everything would have been the same as what he agreed to before the, the fight was moved to the main event. But that's the mentality that is impressive. It's a guy who had lost two in a row, knew his back was against the wall. No matter who you are, you don't want to be on a three-fight losing streak in the UFC. And <clears throat> he went in there and did exactly what he needed to do. And and went in there and and that and switching it and, and making sure it was five rounds, that's impressive. That that just speaks to the mindset of like he could have taken the easy way and he didn't. And his reasoning for all of it totally makes sense. No, yeah, could not be, could not be more happy uh, happy for happier. I don't know, my grammar's not ever that great. But anyway, <laughs> couldn't be happier for Anthony Smith. Um, always been a fan of him. Big win. Can't wait to see. Where we go from him, because just like that, man, the fight game, that name, uh, all, all that uh, the stink that may be after those losses that for people, they're going to be right back on this train for Lionheart. Um, in the co-main event, another submission, arm triangle choke, second round, uh, Miguel Baeza over Takashi Sato. Uh, again, uh, $50,000 bonus here in this one uh, in the welterweight division. Uh, any thoughts coming out of this one, man? This was a fun fight for as long as it lasted. Yeah, a hundred percent. This was the dude I was talking about last week that knocked out Matt Brown cold. Right. Um, and his, Oh, and he has a Wikipedia page now. He didn't yeah, have one last that? week. Awesome. So you can actually see his accomplishments on Wikipedia now, but yeah, his, uh, his win over Matt Brown was really impressive. His win over Sato was really impressive as well. And, he called out um, – who did he call out? I'm looking at the rel- the welterweight rankings. Oh, he called out Robbie Lawler after the fight, um, which is it, it is a good fight. Like, I, I'm down for that. Like, I think that Baeza should definitely be fighting people in the top 15 now. And Robbie Lawler is ranked 14th, and he wants the fight. And I don't know why Lawler wouldn't want the fight because Lawler was about to fight uh, – like Neil Magny recently and stuff. I I think it was. Um, oh no, he was supposed to fight Mike Perry. That's what it was. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think he did fight Neil Magny and lost. I think I could be wrong I think about you're right. that. Right. But uh, the point being, I I think that Lawler and Baeza would make perfect sense next, and I even probably favor Baeza just because he's got youth on his side and he's just he's just a killer right now and he shows a lot of potential. So this was a huge win for Baeza. Now. You know, between the Matt Brown fight and then this one over Sato, uh, it, it unquestionably he has to fight someone. In my opinion, ten and zero back to back performance of the night uh, for Baeza. So you know you keep you keep winning like this and getting fifty thousand dollar bonuses. Um, everyone's gonna be happy to watch you fight, man. Uh, I, I was gonna ask where you saw next, but you answered it already. I think 
with Robbie right now, that's an exciting fight, but it goes back to what we were talking a little bit earlier of, I don't know if that's a great fight for Robbie. Um, I mean, it, it is for Baeza, but that feels like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a scary fight for him. Um, but, you know, you got it. That's what part of being a killer is, man. You get in there, and if, if Miguel could, could beat Robbie Lawler, I mean, it doesn't matter what Robbie does with his career, man. At this point, he's just that guy that if you're scrolling down and you go, oh, hey, he beat Robbie Lawler, like that's going to mean something. Yeah, for sure. And Robbie's still a good fighter. I, I don't think that he's at a point where, like, like I wouldn't mind to see him retire because he's been fighting for, like, you know, it's always good to see people kind of leave when they have their wits about them and stuff. And they're still, I think the best time to leave combat sports is when people still want more of you, you know, like, Oh yeah. You know, cause then it always opens it up for return down the line if you ever want to. But that's when to leave is like, is right on that brink of like, I think I'm kind of leaving my prime. I know I can still beat most, a a lot of guys and maybe even be a championship level fighter at some point, like a lower to share type scenario. But, but that's, that's when to leave. Like, I mean, someone like Habib is like perfect, right? I mean, it's he could he could beat everyone, but we still want to see him fight, and that's what we're gonna remember is this guy was a high level fighter, and we still wanted to see him compete, and he left in his prime. And there's always gonna be those questions of like, well, what if he would have stayed and done this or that? But like, but it's undisputable that when he left, he was the man, and no one could ever take that away from him. Same with someone like Henry Cejudo if he never fights again, like. Dude was a double champ and and was winning in multiple weight classes. And, you know, regardless of how he's getting those wins and how cringy he was on social media and stuff, like, doesn't matter. I, I He left and people, you know, people wanted to see him lose that title, right? It was like people people were like, oh, man, I can't wait to see Piotr Jan go in there and fight this guy and stuff. And he got out and it leaves a lot of doubt with, with certain matchups. But I think that helps your legacy. I think that's a way better way than losing two, three, four, five fights in a row or whatever, and everyone's, like, hoping you leave the sport. So um, so I think Robbie Lawler still provides value, and I think he's the kind of guy that the UFC doesn't really want to... I'll put it this way. I think Robbie Lawler is still valuable enough that the UFC will keep giving him fights as long as he wants to keep fighting, as long as he isn't just getting completely destroyed every time he goes out there. Because he is still valuable enough that he can make a run towards like the Bellator title and and you know what I mean like he can oh, still yeah. be successful in other companies. No, yeah, his name's always gonna matter. Um, he's a legend, man. He, uh, you know, that run that we that we saw that um, uh, there's not been a ton of excitement quite like what Robbie was bringing. So yeah, sign me up for anything with Robbie Lawler. Though I, I agree, I think the heart. It's hard to do. Uh, it's so hard to walk away when you're on that high, but the, you you nailed it, man. Anytime you can leave the people wanting more, uh, you're doing you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. Um, we, you know, we, we we know we've talked about boxing. We know we're going to get a little bit into the uh, the show coming up this weekend, so we're going to kind of skim through some more of this. A um, uh, couple decisions, actually, three decisions on that main card. Um, Again, uh, shout out Haley, my wife. Uh, in the middle of watching this fight, she walks in the room and goes, "Is Parker that?" She didn't know his name. He goes, "Is Parker Porter related to Manders?" And I just thought that was the funniest <laughs> I've ever heard. Um, 
because I didn't see it. I, I saw Parker Porter and she points it out and I just go, God damn, you're good. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> but too funny. It's too funny. It's too true. Parker Porter over Josh Parisian decision. Bill Al- Algio over Spike Carlisle decision. Uh, catch weight. Norma Vienna over Ashley Evans Smith decision. And then uh, the opener of the main card, Jonathan Pierce over Kai Kamaka, uh, the third TKO punches, second round. Um, anything you really want to point out um, on, on any of those? And then we'll kind of do the same for the prelim and get into a little preview. Yeah. So like you mentioned, three decisions uh, in a row on this show, all completely one-sided. So there's really not yes. a lot to talk about there. Um, but I mean, impressive performances and also keep in mind, like going into this fight with Miguel Baez and not having a Wikipedia page until sometime True. recently, look at all the non Wikipedias on that winner side, man. Um, I mean, we've been saying it, uh, on the, on the card. I'm going to have to make a spreadsheet for the end of the year and see where we're coming out on this because I feel like we're coming out ahead more than we're not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it really might be. Like, I know that Jonathan Pierce and Kamaka, neither of them did. But uh, uh, aside from the Porter and Parisian fight, it was a Wikipedia page versus non-Wikipedia page in the other two. And the non wound up getting those wins. So putting that out there. And that was on the uh, the main card, on the on the prelims. Uh, it, it was a 50-50, uh, one and one on those. But uh, the Pierce win over Kamaka... You know, that was fun. That yeah, was it was fun. fun. And and that's the division uh, where, like, it's like you almost expect it now. Like, at featherweight, I feel like every time there's, like, a, a featherweight card or a fight on on a main card, I'm, I'm expecting fireworks. And I think that's what you need to be doing in that weight class because there's so many good, insanely talented fighters at that weight that you have to really do impressive things to get noticed because it's it's so stacked. And uh, something that I do want to bring up just real quick, because I heard Dana White talk about it at the post fight. He mentioned that Yair Rodriguez, it'll probably be a while before he fights again. And he was supposed to fight uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. And that, that's been rebooked multiple times. And it looks like they're not going to rebook it again. And that whatever Dana basically said, whatever Yair is dealing with isn't any of his business. So I don't, it's non-injury related. It's something's going on in his personal life. And it seems like Yair is going to be out for a while and they're going to move on with Zabit doing something. So, um, I bring all that up because we're talking about featherweights and, and it's going to open up a little bit in that top 10 if Yair has gone for a while. So, uh, any featherweights doing impressive things, this is, this is the time um and yeah jonathan pierce getting the job done that was uh that was good stuff yeah a very fun way to, to kick things off prelim card uh we had finishes across the board starting catch weight uh yeah our our non-wiki page winning uh over luke sanders who we both are a fan of but um nathan manis with a win over luke uh rear naked choke second round finish and the flyweight uh, Sue, oh my gosh, his last name, I'm so sorry. Uh, Mudaraji, Muderi, Muderji. You're usually better at this than me. <laughs> Sue. Uh, yeah, Sue. <laughs> Sue over Malcolm uh, Gordon, uh, knockout, 44 second knockout. Uh, hell, of a sh- hell of a fucking uh, way to end things there. Gina Mazzani over uh, Rachel Ostevich, TKO, front kick to the body, third round, uh, finish there. And then the main event of the prelim card. 
Anderson Dos Santos over Martin Day, uh, Guillotine Choke also in the first round. Man, finishes across the board, uh, exciting stuff. And anytime you can have, you know, the prelims get things going like that, that's a good time. Uh, I hate that Luke lost, but that was, uh, you know, it happens. And uh, it was it was good to see him back in the cage. Yeah, it was. And I'm interested to see what the future holds for Luke because I'm obviously a big fan as well. He has a really mixed bag record in the UFC. Uh, I think he's three and four now in the company. Um it, it, the thing with Luke Sanders, though, is it's always an entertaining fight, win or lose. And this was a good round fight for when it lasted. All the credit in the world to Manis for getting the win. It was impressive getting that rear naked choke. But <clears throat> it's one of those things I'm definitely biased because, like, I've met Luke and stuff. I know you have, too, being super from cool Nashville. Dude. Yeah, super cool guy. Um, so... I mean, it might be a little biased in me saying, like, I definitely think they should hold on to Luke and keep giving him fights because it's they're always entertaining. But and it also, sorry, know, his last win. Sorry, his last win. He he knocked out Hayden Barreo, man. That's that's got to mean something. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's it's Hayden Barreo in the same position as like BJ Penn kind of thing, right. unfortunately. But but it is but it is. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still that's a, still a big name. I mean. At one point, people were saying Henan Barrow might have been the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world. That's so, right. yeah, I mean, no one can take that away from Luke, though. I mean, it was it was cool to see him get that win. But Manis with the the RNC, I'd say the most, the thing that stuck out to me the most on this prelims was Mazzani stopping Ostevich because it was the basically it was the bass rooting special. Like she <laughs> she kicked Ostevich right in the liver and Ostevich crumbled. And if, if boss Rutten was on commentary, he would have been marking out hard for that. <laughs> and, and and it's an, I, I can't say an underutilized move because I know a lot of people throw body kicks, but that really is something that I think more fighters should look for more often, especially if they, if they're precise with it, if you can find that liver, I mean, I, Mazzani hit her with a hell of a shot. But it doesn't take much. If you if you get them in the right spot, <clears throat> liver kicks can end any fight. Someone like Matt Brown is, will be the first to tell you, like, he he's so damn tough that he fights through it most of the time. But he gets hit in the liver all the fucking time when he fights. Just because people know that he's susceptible to it. And there's been a lot of fights where he gets dropped to the liver. Cowboy Cerrone also. He gets dropped to the with the liver shots. Yeah. Um, the thing with Matt Brown that's so fucking impressive, like his his fight against Eric Silva, I always go I, back to. Yeah, I was gonna say if, <laughs> if you ha- if you haven't watched that fight recently, go back and watch that today. Yes, exactly. He's a great example of someone who can overcome those kind of things sometimes. But uh, Mizani perfectly landed, and she was dominating before that too. So it isn't something where like Osovich was kicking her ass, then Mizani landed something lucky. It was straight up um just being outclassed i think mazani's just a better fighter um that's nothing to you know this is that's not shitting on ostevich just just she fought someone who i think is better and uh you know that's how you I, get better sometimes yeah and and here's the thing with ostevich I, she's a good fighter don't get me wrong and you know i i'm not sitting here saying like she should stop fighting that's not the point of, of kind of my next thing here but 
she has she has opportunities outside of fighting kind of similar to Luke Rockhold, like I was talking about before, but you know, with, how do I say this without sounding like a total fucking sexist or something with like Paige Van Zandt's like the best example, right? Like Paige Van Zandt was making more money as an Instagram influencer than she was on her UFC contract. And Rachel Ostrovich could be doing the same thing. Like she can make more money and not put her body through this. And that's a way better. It's it's way more likely that someone like her long-term would be able to do those things that someone like Luke Rockhold, in my opinion. Um, Ostevich, I think could be, and she's a great fighter, but it's one of those things where like, I just, I just look at that and I'm like, man, I, if you love doing this, you love doing it. That's awesome. But I, I bet you Rachel Ostevich makes significantly more money outside of the UFC than she does fighting for the UFC. And at some point, I think you start considering those things when, you know, when you go through like, like Paige Van Zandt is, is a, is a super um, interesting case to me because not only is she, was she making more money on Instagram than she was fighting for the UFC, she was getting her ass kicked in the UFC and then opted to sign with bare knuckle, which is like, I, I get the competition's going to be lower level than the UFC, but why wouldn't you sign with like one or like mm-hmm. fucking PFL or something like bare knuckle? Like if you want to be an Instagram model, this is like the top place you wouldn't want to go if you don't want your face getting cut up with with bare knuckles and shit. Like I don't know what she was. I I I noticed that she got paid a lot of money. I know that that has that influences it for sure. But you know what I'm saying? It's like if you're prioritizing modeling over fighting, why would you fight for like the most barbaric company that there is that could fuck your face up? I, I it's it's strange <laughs> to me. Um, and Rachel Ostevich is kind of the same, where it's like she's she's obviously she's hot as hell, and she has a hell of a story as well with like the stuff she's had to deal with, with like, yeah. you know, the, her, her domestic uh, issues that, you know, against her, obviously not, she wasn't, she was a victim of, of domestic uh, abuse and stuff. And, and she has a hell of a story and I like seeing her fight and she's still definitely UFC level, but you know what I'm saying, Mose? It's just one of those things where like at a certain point too, like, do you want to be getting kicked in the fucking liver when you can make more money just posting on Instagram? Well, yeah, no, that's a fair question, and it just goes again to to her record, right? Uh, three losses in a row now, including a armbar loss to Paige Van Zant. Her yep. record uh, sits at four and six. She's only won a single fight under the UFC banner. Um, that was the uh, the new world champion tough finale, um, and that was a catchweight bout. Her opponent missed weight. Uh, she did get the armbar submission there. That's back in 2017, but. With everything all, you know, outside of the cage, I mean, if she loves this and just loves fighting, I totally get it. But, yeah, there's better ways and more money to be made um, without just getting, you know, just getting kicked in the liver. You know what I mean? Like, I totally see what you're saying. Um, and and honestly, to, to, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, no, go for it. I'm glad you brought that up because now I have a record pulled up. And I did not – I didn't realize that she was on a three-fight losing streak. I remember her loss to Paige. Yep, but I mean, her only win she has one arm bar. The others are are split. This oh, sorry, two arm bars and the other two are split decisions. Um, 
I take back what I said a second. She, I maybe she isn't UFC level. Like I, but but also is she in like that spot of being valuable enough that like they wouldn't want her signing with Bellator because they didn't want to lose Paige Van Zandt. She fought out her contract and tested free agency, um, but the UFC didn't like cut Paige. Um, but this is I'm glad you brought that up, Mose, because that's based on her record. I don't think she should be fighting in the UFC right now, to be honest. And I'm sure there would be uh, there'd be interest outside uh, outside of that. Again, if, if she really wants to keep fighting, there's going to be uh, there's going to be somewhere for her to go. Again, your point of of, of PVZ going to bare knuckle that was a, a big swerve surprise. So um, there there's there will be interest out there. But I, I'd, I you know if if we're going to talk about wins and losses, and it's a sport of wins and losses, um, that eventually has to be a part of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I have to really think about. I mean, even like Luke Rockhold talking about him earlier. Like, I mean, well, he didn't get cut or anything from the UFC. I don't know who a good example would be, but, um, or even like Anderson Silva. What I mean, if the UFC is in a position where they're like, yeah, we don't want to put Anderson Silva out there anymore. Like Chuck Liddell, right? Like we don't want. But Rachel Ostevich on three losses. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. There are certain people who are like pushing out of the company because of poor performance that are like fucking legends. But if they hold on to Rachel Ostevich after three losses in a row like that, um, once again, this isn't calling for anybody's job. Like I'm not, I don't hope she gets fired, something like that. But I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what her contract status is. But if if that was like the last fight in her contract, or she has like one more fight left, I wouldn't expect the UFC to re-sign her. And if they did, it'd probably be for less money than what she already makes. In which case she's probably going to opt for another company like Paige Van Zandt did or get out of fighting completely. I would, I would imagine. So, yeah, there, there, there's plenty to be done outside. And again, if it comes to wins and losses, um, I think it's a conversation to be had, but our, our performances tonight, again, no fight of the night. Uh, Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith, Miguel Baeza, Sue, and Nathan Manis all left with fifty thousand dollar bonuses. Uh, good, good night, man. Again, uh, some decisions in there, some good finishes. Uh, anytime you get a good liver kick and a couple of slick submissions, man, um, I'm having a good time. Any anything you want to add before we we dive in a little bit of the preview for this weekend? No, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, this Saturday, <laughs> December fifth. Uh, UFC on ESPN 19, UFC Vegas 16, whichever you prefer. Uh, Jack Hermanson and Marvin Vittori. If you've not caught wind yet, the uh, the, the things have been moved around, um, and, and this is this is what we're gonna get, man. Hermanson Vittori. We've also got Ovin St. Peru on this card. Uh, on the prelims, you've got Gian Valenti. You've got Luis Smolka. Uh, Matt Wyman's on this card. Uh, you know, there there's some names that stick out, but uh, yeah, let's. Getting this this main event, we uh, we're seeing. What's the initial thought when you saw we're going to get uh, Vittori Hermanson? I mean, I think it's the best, you know, the best they can do given the circumstances. It's an interesting fight. Uh, you know, originally this was supposed to be Darren Till versus Jack Hermanson, and then it was supposed to be Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland tested for pos- positive for COVID. Marvin Vittori uh, was supposed to fight Jacare, right? And um, so I don't know how that's all going to work out like i mean i could even see a potential scenario where 
if Vittori is successful, I'm not saying I'm picking Vittori, by the way. I, I am picking Hermanson in my predictions. But if Vittori was able to get the job done in similar fashion to how, you know, Brandon Marino did at this past pay-per-view, I could see them doing a quick turnaround and Vittori getting right back in there. Because he's a guy who, I want to say he's been fighting throughout the COVID. Um, we fought once, fought Carl Robertson. I think he was supposed to have more fights than that, though. I think he was booked a few times, and things have been crazy, getting booked and unbooked and, and all that stuff. But it's a good fight. Uh, best available option. But as far as a prediction, I think Hermanson just has more ways to win. I think if Vittori wins, it's going to be by catching him and, and knocking him out. But Hermanson has good hands. He has good striking overall. And his ground game is is really nasty. Uh, he almost... No one ever brings this up, and it's because he didn't. It's because he didn't lock the move in. But there, and I've probably talked about it on the show before. But I'll never forget he fought Jacare last year, and they got to the ground, and Hermanson was totally holding his own with Jacare, which is like impressive in its own right because Jacare is just he's potentially the best BJJ guy the UFC's ever had. Like if you're looking at just strictly BJJ credentials and I, I'll never forget Hermanson almost got Jacare in an Epsonator, which is like, you never fucking see this move at a high level. It's, it's essentially a dragon sleeper for wrestling fans. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a reverse rear naked choke. And, but, but the diff or sorry, reverse guillotine. Um, but, um, what what makes it even more deadly is um, similar to – this will be really inside baseball, but it's similar to how Anthony Henry locks on the Dragon Sleeper on, uh, on fucking Jaden Newman over the collective weekend where he's got his, like, body locked and goes backwards like that and it just looks mm-hmm. extra fucking devastating because you're, you're scissoring the – scissoring. You're basically figure-fouring the body um, while you're – um, why you have someone in a in a reverse guillotine. And Hermanson was like half a second from getting that on Jacare. And nobody ever brings it up. Like even the commentary was like, what's he going for? And I was like, holy shit, he's going for a fucking dragon sleeper. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, because it's a move that people train. You just, you just never, in MMA, I know it's called an Epsonator because I've, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it before years ago is like you know this move that's just like impossible and when i saw him practicing it i was like oh this is a dragon sleeper like holy shit uh, no wonder you ever see it in mma because it, it'd just be so hard to actually get on someone <laughs> point being hermanson almost hit that on jacare so against someone like marvin vittori who doesn't have that kind of ground game i think hermanson can really do whatever he wants to to vittori on the ground if it, if it gets there so i think hermanson could win on the feet i think he will definitely win if it hits the ground. Uh, so that's that's kind of my thoughts there. I think uh, in Hermanson, there, there's no there's no shame in losing to Hermanson, by the way. he's If this was Hermanson versus Darren Till, I'd say the winner of this should get next um, after Adesanya and, um, and uh, Robert Whitaker rematch. I'd say that, this, uh, that uh, the winner of Hermanson and Darren Till would have been next in line. But with it not being Darren Till... I, I hate penalizing Hermanson in that case. Um, I, I could still see Hermanson getting next, but he may have to do another fight after this because Vittori is really not like a huge name. And, and him beating Till would have been a big deal. So 
it kind of sucks from that perspective, but I, I do expect Hermanson to get the win here. Yeah, big same. Uh, I'm excited about the fight for sure. It, it's going to be fun, but uh, no doubt uh, Jack should be the favorite. Probably I haven't looked at Vegas lines yet. I'm sure he is. Uh, I'm expecting him to win quickly. I would like to say since, hey, it fell in my lap. Uh, if you want to see the finish, the the dragon sleeper that uh, <laughs> Jensen was just talking about with Anthony Henry and Jade Newman, that that whole event, uh, Sup Swing of the Axe, is on IWTV right now, and I am on commentary of that. So anyone that is crossed over with us from wrestling to here, uh, check that shit out and uh, and holler at your boy on Twitter because it was man, it's so gross. That's one of my favorite wrestling finishes. It's one of my submission like. It's so just gnarly looking, and uh, and yeah, the, uh, the the gif of him going fight, man, it's something that I was like, <laughs> holy shit, man, you know what I mean? Like, you see it, and you're just, like you said, you're just like, that part of your brain is like, no fucking way. So, um, yeah, please, anyone can go watch that, do so. Uh, co-main event, Ovid St. Peru uh, against Jamala Hill. This is another one of our uh wiki pages versus non-wiki pages um i, I mean i i i'm a i know i'm biased to ovin to the tennessee guy um but i'm expecting maybe do do we see another slick osp uh submission this uh this weekend bro oh we could <laughs> i think this is a good fight though i think hill um hills look pretty good i think he's two or three and oh in the ufc uh, let me pull his record up real quick he's won Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he's won two in the UFC and he won in the contender series before officially getting signed. I remember his fight with Darko Sto- Stoshik. Stoshik. Yep. Stoshik. Yep. Um, <clears throat> coming off a uh, a win over Clinton Abreu. I know I watched that, but I can't remember Clinton, Clinton for some reason. That was a but, pretty uh, quick finish. Well, it was <clears throat> round one, I think, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. That was fast. Um. I mean, based on experience and and ways to win, I got to go with OSP, I think. Uh, it's interesting to see him back at light heavyweight because he went up to heavyweight to fight Ben Rothwell recently, and so he's dropping back down. I, I'd like to see more of OSP at heavyweight, to be honest, because I don't, I don't really – I don't see him ever making a run at light heavyweight, even though he has this – we talked about it on the show before, but he's in, he lives in this weird space in the light heavyweight division where – at any time, I think he could beat anybody. Like it, it, with with the right opponent and him being on on certain nights, the way he ground game knockout power. He and we, I mean, we saw him go to a decision with John Jones. It was Correct. it was it was kind of a with, with like a broken arm, right? Didn't Jones? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. He so, locked the kick right and, and got the arm broken, still made it to decision. Yeah, yeah, that's I completely forgot about the broken arm. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So uh, but it's one of those things that light heavyweight, I just don't I don't see him ever becoming the champion. I think he has like the athleticism and skill to potentially do it, but I think him not having to cut any weight and him having the skill set he does have, I think he could be pretty successful at heavyweight, because that's always that's always wide open. Like heavyweight, you can you can be completely unranked, land a sweet head kick over the right guy, and automatically people are talking about you getting a title shot. So I think there's more opportunity for OSP at heavyweight. But <clears throat> but that being said, well, actually, you know what? And to be fair, with 
Jones leaving light heavyweight and Blahovich being the champion, it does open it up a bit more for OSP at light heavyweight, to be fair. So maybe that's kind of where his head's at, too, is kind of new life there because Jones isn't isn't there anymore. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is a good matchup, and I, I'll take OSP. I, like you said, I think he just has more ways to win. More ways to win. Uh, it would be a big win for Hill, especially, you know, if you can – if you could finish OSP in the same way we've seen, um, that's a little bit of a statement made for someone that's been in there with the guys that, that Ovince has. Um, I'm with you, though. I, again, I think I think St. Prue gets the dub. Uh, finishing out this main card, we've got women's flyweight action, Montana De La Rosa and uh, Taila Santos, light heavyweight action, Roman Dolidzi versus John Allen Art. And then our opening contest in the featherweight division for the main card, uh, Mavzar Evlov versus Nate Landwehr. Any anything on those three um, that really stick out to you? And then we'll we'll dive a little bit in the prelim and get out of here, bro. Yeah, I'd say the big thing that sticks out of all these fights would probably be the Evlov versus Landwehr fight. Landwehr is um, his nickname. People call him Nate the Train. I actually knew about him before he signed with the UFC because he's from Clarksville, Tennessee. So he's pretty local uh, to Nashville. Yeah. So he uh, and he's coming off of a win over Darren Elkins earlier this year. So you know, I, I'm actually kind of surprised he's still riding the non Wikipedia train while his opponents got one. So no love to to Nate the Train apparently, but. I, I like that fight. I think it's a good matchup. I think that Landaweer can win this one. Uh, I think, it, but it's a good matchup, and I like that. That's going to be on the main card because his fight with um, with the damage was was really entertaining, and that was a big win for him because I think he lost his first UFC fight. I'm going to double check that, but I remember him coming in with like a lot of hype, and I think he lost his first one, and then he rebounded with that. Uh, Getting it pulled up right now. Yeah, lost to Hubert Burns in his UFC debut. Lost by knockout, uh, knee strike, and then beat Darren Elkins in his second fight. So, I uh, yeah, I'll take Nate the Train in that one. Uh, that that'd be the one I kind of highlight on the on the main card as far as like you know outside of the main and co-main. That's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. And that'll get us going. That's our opening fight on ESPN two on the main card. So be sure you're in front of your TV for that one. The prelim card, also on ESPN2, we've got Louis Smoka on here. We've got, um, you know, Gian Valenti and, and Jake Collier is the main event on this. We've got some non-Wikipedia pages versus some Wikipedia pages. And for me, the name that sticks out is Matt Wyman, man. This is someone we've seen. He's, he fought twice last year, 2019. He lost both of them, including one, I believe, to violent fucking Bob Ross, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, Okay, yeah, and then uh, going back to, to look at his record, bro, it's so crazy. So just his last four fights, right, those two he lost uh, back in 2014, a win, and then that TJ Grant loss all the way back 2013. Now, TJ Grant, someone we both, we could be talking about for days, uh, his story. That, that's a guy we both, um, it's, it's sad, it's bittersweet story, but that's a guy that was really just fucking shit up. So yeah. to see Matt Wyman, right, this is his, you know, three, four fights ago, 2013, and here we are fighting 2020. Um, of course, he's been on tough. Uh, I'm sure that's a name a lot of people recognize. So when I saw that, I was kind of like, oh, shit, Wyman's still around. Yeah. Well, yeah, he took five years off 
uh, in between fights before he came back to fight violent Bob Ross. And, and the thing for uh, TJ Grant, yeah, we talked about him. We've talked about him before, but like, he's really just such a, hey, that's just so sad. Like it the is. dude literally fought his way to being number one contender at lightweight, which is just still even, even then, but even more so now, just like historically probably the most stacked weight class in UFC history. And he fought his way to the title shot. I think, I think Anthony Pettis was the champion at the time. And yeah, got a concussion training for the fight. Multiple concussions, something happened to where he, he, he just never fought again. Um, and then, well, from what I understand, it was like he got the concussions and he wasn't making that much money, especially back in those days, like the early 2010s. He just wasn't making that much money, but he kept beating these top guys and he had to take that time off to deal with the health issues and the injuries. And then because he wasn't training and fighting, he didn't have enough money to hire trainers and fighters and right. just wound up having to like get out of the sport. As the number one contender, which is like, oh man, just so sad. Because that would that would never happen today, you know. Like, I mean, the the injury might like you might you you could always land on your head wrong and like that's it. Like, th- which that can happen to anybody. It's just an unfortunate circumstance of, of the sport. But it would never happen now, where like someone's at that level and can't make enough money to keep fighting, you know, and training. So. Just really shitty circumstances. He's a guy that just no one talks about anymore. And it's just, it, it sucks because he, he really could have been the champion of the world. Um, and so it's just a sad one. And the thing with Matt Wyman, I like him. Handsome Matt. He's a, he's an entertaining character. Uh, he seems like a really good dude. And it's cool to see him back after all these years. But his last two performances really, he just, to be just totally brutally honest. And, and I like uh, Selecki and in Violent Bob Ross. I think they're both good fighters, but I just don't think Matt Wyman is is at that level anymore. And yeah. and I think that this is going to be a uh, a Jordan uh, Levitt, however you say his line. I really don't know what, hardly anything about his opponent, to be totally honest. But uh, this one, it's one of these where I feel like this is being set up to where like it's a winnable fight for Wyman, and this will if he wins, it justifies him being in the UFC still. But if Leviet, Leviet, I don't know where he's from, so I'm probably butchering the fucking pronunciation. If he wins, then he got to win over, you know, a name that people recognize. So I, I don't know. And and one thing, I'll mention two more things about the the prelims. One thing being John Volante versus Jake Collier, like the win. This is potentially a loser leaves town match. So both guys really need this win. So I expect it to be a good fight because I think both of them know that. They both have very mixed bag records and lately neither, in my opinion, has looked very good. So this is a, uh, I think, I think someone's going out and, and getting a stoppage and, and trying to secure you know their job in this one. And one other thing I'll mention is Luis Smoka and Jose Quinones. That fight was supposed to happen a couple weeks ago and wound up getting pulled the day of because of COVID so it's good to see that this was uh, rebooked. And I'm going to take Quinones for the win there. Um, he's the one coming off a loss to Sean O'Malley. And Smolka is just, he just kind of, like, I don't know. It, 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 honestly, it's a really, really good matchup uh, for both guys. I just think Quinones, I just, I just have a gut feeling about him getting the job done over Smolka. So 
Um, that's I mean that's the stuff that I'd highlight over the uh, the prelims. Yeah, real quick, just so we're not we're we're somewhat professionals on this. Jordan Levitt, the Monkey King, the nickname. He's U.S. He's 25 years old, seven and zero. The only time he's fought under the banner was a win over Luke Flores on the Contender Series back in August. He won that uh, round one arm triangle choke. So this certainly is one of those we're going to throw the young gun in there with someone like Wyman and see where he's at. And uh, I'm with you. I, I expect. I think it'd be fun, but um, looking at this, you know, this kid's going to be fired up and ready to go. I also uh, could not agree more about the Smolka fight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that's a great way to start the show. The very first fight on the prelim card. All of this should, as far as I know, all of it will be on ESPN2 Saturday night. Um, man, we did it again. Uh, we got a lot in. We got some boxing. We got two cards in. Of course, uh, you know, we've got uh, Figgy and Moreno coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll touch on that card uh, next week, but Man, we, we did it again. Uh, I, uh, I'm i John Mosley. You can follow me at MosKOBK over on Twitter. Uh, always have fun, man. Always have fun talking this. And anytime we can talk about Mike Tyson, I'm fired up. Hell yeah, man. Thanks again for coming back and hosting. And thanks for uh, the time, because I know this is about an hour longer than we normally run. But we basically did an entire podcast on the, the Jones-Tyson uh, show. So I'm glad we got to get all of our thoughts out on all that stuff. So thanks you to thank you to Mose and make sure to shoot him a follow over on Twitter and follow all his stuff. And if you want to give me a follow as well, my Twitter is fight talk underscore. That's F I G H T T A L K underscore. My videos are available over at um, all things MMA on YouTube. I've been writing lists and editing videos. So uh, keep your eyes on those and make sure to subscribe to this fight talk podcast feed for episodes every week from me and Moe's about MMA. I upload all the audio from my conversations with Jesse Davin uh, from our YouTube chats. I upload all the audio right here on this feed as well. And my various you know random interviews in the world of independent wrestling and mixed martial arts. Um, all that's available right here on this feed. So please subscribe, uh, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, whatever the option is, follow, subscribe. If, if there's an option to... Uh, you know, give a, a five-star rating or something like that. That's much appreciated, too. It helps people find the podcast and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, check that stuff out. And every weekend, I do a Fightful Select Weekender podcast where I talk about pretty much all non-WWE and AEW stuff. I highlight the indies. Uh, more specifically, a lot of the stuff you'd see on independentwrestling.tv. I talk Ring of Honor, 205 Live. I say non-WWE, but as far as like Raw and SmackDown. Um, but I talk NXT UK. I talk 205 Live. Uh, shout out to Kurt Stallion, 205 Live. Good to see him doing his thing there. I know me and Mo's uh, both been watching him for quite some time. So that's been really cool to see. And uh, and yeah, all the all the pro wrestling stuff. It's over there, Fightful Select. It's called the Weekender Podcast. And it's part of their Patreon service. So uh so check that out. Anything, uh, any last words, any parting words, Moe's? No, nah, man. Uh, everyone, again, if you have not watched it, I'm going to, I'm literally going to get off here and I'm going to watch Matt Brown and Eric Silva again. So y'all should too. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a good one. Check that fight out. Shout out to Matt Brown. One of my favorite fighters of all time. Still doing his thing. I'm looking forward to him versus Carlos Condit next. I think that's a great matchup for both guys. And Hey, that could be a double retirement fight. And I think everyone would be okay with it. Um, but I also love seeing both guys fight still. So fuck it. Keep doing your thing. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the fight talk podcast. 
For John Mosley, I'm Steven Jensen. We will be back next week right here talking some more mixed martial arts.